Leather weather is a good day with me. Don't you just love that winter came back? I know you're all so thrilled. <laughs> ah, it's supposed to get up to 50 tomorrow and be sunny, so get out and enjoy it, right? It's green and cold, but the lilacs are out. Did you notice that? Yes, Melissa. One of the nice things about this kind of weather in Minnesota is people actually wear clothes. Don't you just love that? It's just, well, I won't go off on that tonight. I did also want to make it really clear tonight that uh, the rock is a safe and secure zone, that if God created you with boy parts, please use the male bathrooms, and if God created you with female parts, please use the little girl's room. And the bathroom back there has a pastor's sign on it, and that's for me only. <laughs> the world has gone insane. You will find sanity and truth and safety and security at the rock. I mean that. You will. <laughs> you will. Um, we're going to start off tonight just a little bit different. Obviously, what I already said was just a little bit different. But I thought with what the government decided to do yesterday, someone ought to be the voice of reason in the craziness. If you don't know what just happened the other day, you better open up your newspaper and read. <laughs> Find out what they're trying to do now in the public school. So we have a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ here at The Rock, and we have a desire to get it out to all types of different groups of people. And for the next seven weeks, I'm going to start each evening before I get into my um, message with a little bit of one of our Rock Micro Gospel initiatives, some of them we talked about last fall. But the first one we're going to start with tonight, Pastor Carl is going to take a few minutes and tell you about our Dominican Republic mission trip, and he's going to introduce the team members to you, and then we're going to have a word of prayer for them. So Carl, would you come on up, just take a couple minutes and tell folks about it, and then we'll introduce the team and whoever's here tonight and pray. Thank you, Mark. So we're going to be traveling to Santo Domingo on Sunday. We'll be there from the 15th to the 23rd. And we've got a sister church down there. It's not very big. It's called La Vive, which means the vine. And they meet, they're mostly college students at the university there. And the university's, uh, this is no lie, it's got 150,000 students at this university. It's humongous. So we're going to be supporting that church, that little church, and sharing the gospel out on that college campus uh, most every single day that we're going to be down there, Monday through Friday. And we've got a couple other things we'll be doing. We'll be visiting an orphanage. And um, there's also a, they're thinking of planting a church in a place called Boca Chica, um, which I think literally means woman mouth or girl mouth or something. I'm not sure. But anyhow, it's only about 30 minutes away, and they're thinking of planting a church there. So we're going to be traveling there to share the gospel there as well. So the biggest thing you can pray for, other than safety and faith and courage and those are all important things and salvations is really that the people that we meet and the people Lord willing we lead to Christ that they would really follow Christ decide to get baptized and join together with that church uh, the risk with with any mission team like this is you go down there you see people come to know Christ it's it's amazing there's a lot of there's a big lie in Latin America as a whole it's true in, Domin in um, Dominican Republic. It says it's your good works that get you to heaven. And it's not. It's God's grace. And they need to be freed from that trap, that lie. And um, I've been to Latin America a number of times on mission trips. I've seen many people come to know Christ. 
the thing that needs to happen, you can pray for, is that the people we meet and lead to Christ, we can get them connected with the church, that God would just sovereignly do that. We don't want to just leave and then suddenly all the fruit kind of just evaporates and they, and they don't have any chance to grow in their faith and be around other believers that will help uh, reach, reach them to maturity. So uh, we want to have the team come forward then, Mark? Yeah. All right, if you're on part of the team, why don't you come forward? You should have known this was coming up, but if not, it's a nice welcome surprise. You guys can give them a round of applause here. There's, so there's 14 of us going on the team here, and I will just go on down. You can introduce yourself to everybody here. Jason Jungi. Mia Kuroki. Kristen Boyce. Como se llama Abril? Austin Healy. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Mitch Kicker. Ashley Hall. Jamie Butterfast. Seth Rosenzweig. Rob Giannotti. I'm Nick Crokestead. Thanks. <laughs> and I guarantee you'll need to wear leather coats when you're down there, okay? It's going to be kind of chilly down there. For those of you who don't know where Dominican Republic is, it's on the other side of Haiti. Haiti, Dominican Republic. Boom. Divided in the middle. Okay, so here's what we're going to do a little differently, all right? First of all, all these folks raised most of their own support to go down, and then they did that garage sale. We really want to pray for them. I'm going to add one more thing. Pray you don't get the Zika virus. Seriously, pray they don't. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We've never done this before at The Rock. <laughs> New things are coming. I want you to put your head with the person next to you or three together, and I just want you to take two minutes. Okay, I'm going to time it. Two minutes and pray for this team. And we're going to stand up here together and we're going to pray. Okay? And then I will pray myself. And then you'll know it's time to stop praying. Okay? So pray for the things Carl asks you. Thank you. Father, we just thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is your gospel that motivates us. The love of Christ has been shed abroad in our heart, and we care, Lord, about lost people because you care. You love this world, and you want every single person to know the good news of Jesus Christ. I ask you, Lord, that you'd watch over each one of these team members. I ask you, Lord, you'd protect their lives, protect their health. Pray, Lord, you give them wisdom in every conversation. Give them boldness. Give them courage. We pray, Lord, that Many would come to know Jesus. Many would embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they would get involved in the little group of believers that are there. Give uh, this team unity together. The devil always tries to divide. Help us to remember, Lord, this mission is bigger than our own personal self-interest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys very much. God bless you. <clears throat> I think it's rather appropriate that we're doing the book of Colossians at the same time as we'll get in and we'll see the Apostle Paul's heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ in the book of Colossians. But let me just give you a little bit of background briefly 
to the, we call it the book of Colossians. It's really a letter. It was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote from prison. He wrote it approximately the same time he wrote Philemon, Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians. <clears throat> and um, Paul had never been to this church. Paul was not the founder of this church. Epaphras was. But one of the things that motivates the Apostle Paul, and I want to start off by helping you understand one of the things that motivates me, was his passion for truth and his zeal to defend the truth against errors and lies that were entering the church. And there were lies that were being perpetrated in this young church at Colossae. Mysticism. People were adding things to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were telling him, you need to do certain things in order to really be a Christian. The gospel isn't enough. And we'll look at some of those things. There was sort of a mixture of mysticism and Judaism and astrology that were getting mixed in with the gospel and with the truth of Christ. <clears throat> Paul was also concerned about the supremacy of Christ. Because in the Roman times, Colossae was part of the Roman Empire, but they were Gentiles. They were referred to as Gentiles. Any Gentile, were Gentiles. Anyone who's not born Jewish was considered in the New Testament a Gentile. <clears throat> but in the, in the ancient Roman world, there were many gods. And so all of a sudden, people were beginning to proclaim that Jesus was just one of many gods, and of course, Paul clearly lays out that is not true. He is God, all of God. He is over all, through all, and the creator of all. <clears throat> so he lays that out in Colossians, but here's something else I want you to understand. You may not realize this, but since I founded The Rock, and then Evergreen before that, my entire life has been given to help you understand the true truth. And I'm telling you today, it is even more difficult than Paul's time because the internet is full of religious lies and religious misinformation. And it looks so good. Someone recently sent me, said, I, I really don't go, I, I limit myself in a very strategic way as to how many places I go on the World Wide Web. And there's really only about five. And that's the truth. Uh, once I go, I go to the dictionary, <laughs> I go to Craigslist, I go to a couple news sites, I go to BibleGateway.com, I go to my email, I do my banking, and I stay away from almost everything else. It's a dangerous place. It'll suck you in really fast. Do a lot of very dark stuff that we'll get into, by the way, in this series, but also in the fall. Because we're going to have uh, probably Ryan and Jeremy do a series on porn. It's very strategic to understand what's actually happening and what I'm sure many young people here may be struggling with and what's happening in the world beyond. But someone recently sent me something and they said, hey, Mark, why don't you give this a listen I didn't give it a listen. I don't have speakers on my computer, um, and I do that for a reason as well. But I went to where they uh, 
asked me to go look. And the next thing I knew on YouTube, there must be, I don't know, 100,000 preachers. I'm not one of them, by the way. You're not going to find me on YouTube. How do you know who you can trust? Have you ever thought about that? How do you know who you can trust? How do you know if what they're telling you is the right interpretation of Scripture? There is so much misinformation. And anybody who can get a little camera and sit in their little fancy room and talk to you. One of the ways in which the Bible, we're going to, by the way, we're probably going to spend the whole summer in the Bible in one way or another this year. And uh, probably the next book I'll go through will be the book of Titus. In the book of Titus, the Apostle Paul lays out what the qualifications are for a man who gets the right to teach you the word of God. And it's all based on his character. And you can know that individual and see them and touch them and examine their life. <clears throat> but today, much of modern Christianity, by the way, does not adhere to the very prescriptions of the New Testament. So that ought to give us pause right away to stop and think. So we're going to go through some scripture this summer. We're going to start in the book of Colossians. So here we go. Colossians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and from our brother Timothy. One of the things you'll notice about the apostle Paul is he was not a lone ranger Christian. The Apostle Paul always traveled with a team. In fact, even our Lord did. The Lord worked in plurality. Our pastors work in plurality. We don't operate from a senior pastor model. Never have. That's also very uncommon in Christianity. The Apostle Paul traveled with Timothy, with Demas, with Epaphras, with Dr. Luke who actually wrote most of the book of Acts, if not all of it. But he's with a team. And Paul's writing here, and he's reminding everyone, look, God gave me, when he says chosen by God to be an apostle, God gave the apostle Paul the gift of apostle, the ability, a unique ability to go and proclaim Christ and plant churches. But Paul had the extra unique gift of divine endowment from God in the beginning of his ministry to heal. By the way, as time went on in the book of Acts, you begin to see less and less of those healings, and especially in the epistles. And in fact, Paul, as time went on, could not heal Epaphras who was sick. Paul himself could not heal himself from the thorn and the illness that God had given him. But in the early beginning stages of Christianity... God confirmed the message of the gospel with instantaneous, by the way, instantaneous, miraculous healings of people who were lame or they were blind or they couldn't talk. Not some, you know, hey, I have a stomach, all of a sudden it's gone. It, it wasn't progressive healing. It was take up your bed and walk. They didn't make a big show of it. In fact, most of the time when they healed somebody and almost got him killed. They would get drugged before the Sanhedrin. It caused problems. They didn't make money doing it. They didn't turn it into a big show. It is written to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and mercy. The thing I note about this verse is that we are the family of God. 
The book of Ephesians tells us it was God's unchanging plan. And it gave him good pleasure, his pleasure, to adopt us into his family. The word holy means called out one. We are God's called out ones, holy ones, picked out, set apart by the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we come to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we become one of God's holy ones, one of God's picked out ones. And the gospel is open to any person. God is not a respecter of persons. And we become family in the Lord. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus for we've heard that you have faith in Jesus Christ and that you love all of God's people. I want you to notice there, Paul, and you'll see this as we go throughout the book, Paul commands us later, be devoted to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. We ought to be people of prayer, but Paul himself always set the example. In one letter after another, he regularly, in the book of Thessalonians, says, and I always pray for you. Night and day, I pray for you. I remember you in my prayers. I could speak all night and for weeks just on prayer. The privilege that we have, the access to come right in the presence of God and bring our requests. And notice, we're also going to get into this in the series, and we always Give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for you and we give thanks. We pray for you and I thank God for you. We give thanks to God. I just want to comment for a moment on thanks. We're going to get into this even more when he talks more about thanksgiving. The greatest sacrifice you can give to God is daily thanksgiving. It's not the only sacrifice, but it's the one so rarely given Every single thing you and I have is a gift from God. Everything. When I was a younger believer, I didn't give this much thought, to be real honest with you. I look back and I realize the immaturity in my own life. And as I've grown in the Lord, and as I've sought to obey this more and more, I've begun to realize how honored God is and how ignored God is by the world that does not give him thanks. We've made up lies about God. We say we've just evolved from the muck. We were the result of a big explosion. Both which defy credulity. And yet how many of us every single day, the first thing out of our mouth when we're awake, when we actually come awake is, Lord, thank you today for my eyes to see and my ears to hear. Thank you, God, for the heart in my body. Thank you, God, for a body. Thank you, Lord, for a brain that allows me to grasp what's going on around, and the senses that you've given me to absorb and experience life. Thank you, Lord, for the oxygen in the air this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the sun, for we could not live without the sun. I would say, quite frankly, it's the rare individual indeed who starts every day and then throughout their day gives thanks to God for all his gifts, everything we have is a gift from God, an enablement from God. I've said this to you before, but it, it's really something when you really start to think about it. This entire planet is stocked with everything we've ever needed. Did you know that? Man has only made that from which God already gave. The trees are there. The petroleum's in the ground. The iron, the ore, the gold, the precious stones. All of it's just laying there. 
And we go out and get it with the body God gave us for free. And we use the fuel that God put on the planet that we got for free. And we use the processes that God gave someone in their brain to develop. And he didn't charge him for that gift to go out and extract the petroleum and use it. All of it. All of it. We supply labor. <laughs> but we could not do that labor whatsoever if God just decided to walk over to the wall and turn the oxygen off. Let's, I'm going to go for an hour today off. We couldn't do a thing. Paul was an incredibly grateful man, and you see this throughout the epistles. Notice he says this, these two things always go together, faith and love. Faith and love. This is very important you understand. If you've been truly born again, if you've been truly born again, the book of 1 John, the apostle John, also writes the very same thing. We know we have been born of God because we love our brother. If you do not love your brother who you have seen, then you do not love God who you have not seen. And you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. I like John. He's, so, he's just so direct. You're a liar. Real faith in Jesus Christ results in love. And that love grows, and we're going to get into that. It's something the Lord wants us to grow in. But when we really place our faith in Jesus Christ, think about this for a moment. For God, the, the Jesus we believe in is the Son of God who loved this world so much that he gave himself for us. The Bible tells us in 1 John that God is love. Now, God is not only love. He's righteousness. He's faithfulness. He's wisdom. He's justice. He's power. But he is love. And when we do not walk in love, and if, it is that, the, if that is the regular habit of our life, and when I say love, when regularly not patient with others, kind to others, thoughtful to others, when we're not easily, easily forgiving others, and if that's the habit of our life, you need to step back, and the possibility is very real that you never got saved to begin with. Because love is the fruit of genuine Faith in Jesus Christ. You do this because you're looking forward to the joys of heaven. As you have been ever since you first heard the truth of the gospel. The gospel. See, we're looking forward to the next world. You, you, know, you know one of the greatest coping mechanisms for the insanity? Listen, we're living in a really insane world. We're living in a very insane time. It's insane. I'm not going to go off on it tonight because I'm just not tonight. But the reality is, I'm not stuck here forever. I've got something a lot better to look forward to, and so do you. We have the joys of heaven, the joys of eternity, the joys of a new world. And for those of you who maybe have never heard much about heaven, I have a series called Heaven on StrongDisciple.com. And you can go hear it if you'd like. But let me just give you a couple little factoids about heaven. Heaven is not maybe what you've heard or what you've seen in the movies and you're just kind of floating through space and it's nothingness and you're these little tacky wings and you're playing a little harp. 
There's coming a time. This is our gospel, by the way. This is part of our gospel. God is going to judge the entire world. He's going to judge all the wicked. They aren't going to get away with a thing. He's going to judge them, and then they will be punished for all eternity. And God is going to destroy this planet, and God is going to, because it's infected with sin. Everywhere you are, it's infected with sin. It's dying. And the entire universe, and he's going to make brand new one. And by the way, you'll see then, it didn't take no million years. And it's all going to be for the Christians, for those who embrace the gospel now. They put their faith in Christ now to save them from themselves, from them sin, their sin, and from the judgment of God. And for all eternity, we will be in a place where righteousness is at home. Only righteousness will reign, and it'll be phenomenal. It will be full of mountain ranges, water, all kinds of things for you to explore, and it's all yours forever and ever and ever. There'll be no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no death. There'll be no unfulfilled desire. Every desire you have will be righteous, and you'll be with people that you love, and there'll never be any disharmony, never any disunity, and you'll be exploring the galaxies and the worlds which God has made exclusively, exclusively for those who embrace the gospel, his children. That's what we're looking forward to. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is changing lives everywhere, just as it changed yours. That very first day you heard and understood the truth of God's great grace to sinners. <clears throat> this is one of the things I love, maybe what I love most about the gospel, about Christianity. Christ really changes lives. I could go around this room, some of you I've known for years, many, many years, some of you, when I first met you, you did not know Jesus Christ. Some of you here, you know, your past life was a mess. You were an addict of some kind. And Jesus Christ, you came to embrace him as your savior, and he's changed your life. I got an email recently, <clears throat> not so long ago, from a young person. They've been here a few times. <clears throat> from another country, but they've been here in the States for a while. And um, one night they passed me and they said, will you pray for me, Mark? I, uh, my life's a mess. So I, I, I said, I'd love for you to visit, to visit sometime if you would. And months went by. They never, um, never called. And a friend of theirs who invited them told me they're really going through a tough time. So I've been praying for them every day for a while. About a month and a half ago, they came through the doors and uh, we began a conversation, and I said, why don't you actually call me this time? You call me. We'll talk. So they, they called. They wrote first. They wrote this, all this stuff that's going on in their life, um, addicted to alcohol, uh, marijuana, um, having random sex real often, a mess, a mess. But they didn't think they're a mess, but they're a mess. <clears throat> so they were, they, were, they were beginning to realize their life was a mess, and so I gave them some very loving very loving, very tender, very direct advice. And the person said, well, can I call you? I said, sure you can. So this young lady called. And we talked some more. And she said, I really appreciate this. I really appreciate this. They kind of come from sort of a Christian background, but 
not like what we were talking about. Well, I hung up the phone. I continued praying. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't hear anything. A few weeks later, she came through the door. She said, Mark, I'll tell you what, I've been listening to your messages nonstop. I'd been wanting her to do that for some time. She said, I cannot believe the changes are beginning in my life. And just about two weeks ago, um, I got an email, uh, one of the most stunning emails I've ever received. Mark, this is what happened in my life. This is what I've turned away from. This is what I've changed. I'm over in this other country right now. I'm doing some mission work. When I come back, we'll be at the Rock. But here's what's going on, and I'm pursuing a completely different life. I have seen over the years of my life... For 40 years, the power of Jesus Christ, when, now this is very important, this is very important, when we really repent. Not when we're playing a game. I saw the same thing happen in my life when I got down on my face before God and genuinely, genuinely in my heart, there was a deep sorrow for the life that I had been living, and I accepted full responsibility for it. I blamed nobody else for the mess that I was in. And I sought God and said, I accept your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness, and I turn my back on this life. I'm not saying I never, ever had a struggle again in my life. I am saying God, in that moment, began a powerful transformation in my life. In my life. And it has continued to this day. <clears throat> there have been many, many times, not that I've gotten re-saved. Once you're saved, you're saved. Once you're a child of God, you're born. You're his baby. His DNA is in you. But there's been many times in my life that God has brought a, a genuine consciousness to my heart and soul. Mark, you need to turn from this. And I've, again, I just got on my face, and God once again took me like 20 steps farther than I'd been before. The power of God in our life. The gospel changes lives. Maybe you've wondered, <clears throat> I'm just going to focus on this for the rest of our time here. <clears throat> Maybe you've wondered, why do those Christians, why are they always trying to convert people? Like, like aren't we all just going to heaven? The Buddhists, the Taoists, the Islamists, the Hinduists, we all believe in the same God. No, we don't. <laughs> We sure don't. Only Jesus Christ is God. Only Christ is God. And he is the only one who can eradicate sin from our lives. The reason, the reason nations don't get along is families don't get along. Husband and wives can't get along. Why? Why? Because all of us, and we're going to get into this as we go on, we have this sinful nature, this rotten, selfish, sinful, garbage nature of rebellion towards God. We are born rebels. We aren't born as little children, and we're just so eager to obey, and we're so cheerful about life, and we just love God, and we're so thankful, we're ungrateful, and we rebel. And until you can have peace in the human heart, you can never have peace in the home. To have peace in the home, you can never have peace in the nation. <clears throat> now, here's the thing to understand. There's a great war, an invisible and also visible, but an invisible war, spiritual battle going on for men and women's souls. And the devil, and we're going to get into this, we've been transferred just a few verses later from the domain of darkness, from the domain of Satan to the kingdom of light of Jesus Christ. There are only two kingdoms. 
There isn't the Middle East Kingdom and the American Kingdom and the European Union. That's man's markings. In eternity and now, there's only two. You're the kingdom of God or you're the kingdom of Lucifer. You're the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. And the whole world is in darkness. And there's this great spiritual battle going on in the world. And the devil longs to keep people blind. God wants to open up their eyes. And God is trying to redeem people, to grab them back, to get them back from their slavery to sin through the gospel. They have to willingly choose to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that God sent his son, his son died on the cross for my sin, his blood was shed to pay for my sin, and he rose from the dead, and he'll forgive me and give me eternal life if I humble myself and receive it. That's the gospel. And it is the only truth, and it is the only way to heaven. It's the only way to God. It's the only way to God. How dare us say to God, you have no right to tell me what I must do to get to you. How can we possibly think that when he made you, he brought you to life, and he sent his son, and he proved to his son by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. But he's the way for all, and all can receive him. All can embrace him. Let's bow our heads for, for a moment. <clears throat> and I want to just ask you tonight, if you're here this evening and you're not absolutely certain that if tonight you went home and you laid down in your bed and you never woke up again, you just passed away in your sleep, if you're not absolutely confident you would spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, you're not certain, you just don't know. You're like, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sure. I mean, I've tried to be a really good person. That ain't going to get you there. That is not going to get you there. If we could try to be really good persons, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. The fact is, all of us, that's the great equalizer. Sin is the great equalizer. We're all equally sinful in the eyes of God. And he loves each the same, and he gave his son. And if you're not confident that you know Jesus, then I want, as I pray tonight, as I close... I want you to just in your heart say, Lord Jesus, I want you as my Savior. I want to know for certain that I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I need you to forgive my sin. I want you to change my life. I want you to help me get rid of the selfishness and the sinful habits that are in my life that dominate my life, Lord. Set me free. Come into my life. And if you do that, and you do that in really sincere, with sincerity, Jesus Christ will become your Savior. And you've been born again. And you're now a brand new baby Christian. And I want to give you that opportunity. Father, I just thank you tonight for the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the power of God to transform any life. It does not matter who we are. You can change any life. For Christ, as we'll discover in Colossians, Christ is, comes in us. God comes to live in us. All of God through Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use us in this world to be lights. I pray, Heavenly Father, that anyone here tonight who does not know you would not go to sleep tonight, even if they wait till they get home, 
as they get ready for bed, that they would sit beside their bed, kneel beside their bed, sit in their living room and say, Lord Jesus, I've been running from you. I need you. Forgive my sin. Forgive my sin. I believe you died for me. And I want to receive your gift. Jesus said, whoever, whoever receives him, to them he's given the right to become a child of God. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Bring us back next week to learn more. And please be, Lord, with this mission team. Give them tremendous grace to proclaim Jesus Christ in the Dominican Republic. In Jesus' name, amen.